right, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone has had a good week, and um, we it uh, served better tonight to uh, go by podcast format. Um, my my truck's been uh, it's fine, everything's fine, but I've had some mechanical uh, work done on my truck today, uh, and so I've been without it all day. And have been uncertain, you know, when I would get it back. And, and of course, Miss Ronnie as well. So there were just some other, some circumstances that uh, led to podcast being uh, the the mode of study tonight. Um, so we'll get right into 1 Corinthians 16. Do continue to play, pray for Miss Rhonda. And, um, <clears throat> of course, love the entire Dry family. And uh, thank God for them. And I've, I've, uh, I've been there in, in some regards uh, with my gallbladder issue as well. And so I can certainly empathize with her. So please pray for her, Wayne, the entire family, that God would be with them. All right, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. As we go to 1 Corinthians 16... We're closing out uh, this book of the Bible. Now, let me talk a little bit before we get started. We, I know I have been talking a lot or, or try, you know, planning a lot, I guess you could say, on uh, going in back to 2 Samuel when we finished 1 Corinthians. But I really felt like the Lord wanted us to... I... I Enjoy. I enjoy all the Bible, and um, but in studying First Corinthians, that is a very heavy book. It is, man. You deal with a lot of just tough issues, difficult issues. Um, uh, sometimes, I guess, in some circles, controversial, controversial issues. And Second um, Corinthians is very different. Second Corinthians is a book full of encouragement. It's a book full of hope. Um, it is a book that Paul was in a lot of physical pain, um, emotional turmoil, spiritual battles. So it's a book that Paul is is uh, is kind of different tone, if you please. He's got a much different tone in 2 Corinthians than than 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was full of rebuke and reproof and instruction, whereas 2 Corinthians is more of a book of encouragement. And so I feel like we need that. I feel like we, we're in, in dire need of encouragement um, in, our, in our day. And um, I, I like all manner of teaching and preaching. Um... But sometimes along the way, we need encouragement. And so we're going to close out 1 Corinthians 16. And then, then hopefully get into first or 2 Corinthians 1 tonight. So 1 Corinthians uh, 16 first, we'll get our start. And go in, if at all possible, into first, 2 Corinthians 1. If not, we'll be back in 2 Corinthians 1 Sunday night. 
1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints. So, Paul is opening this chapter, as he's closing out the book of 1 Corinthians, he is opening this last chapter, and... Um, and in, he is doing so teaching on giving, teaching on giving to the church. Um, and so notice what he says. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So this is something that he's already taught. He taught the Galatians this. Now he's teaching the Corinthians this. And... Um, so, we move on to verse number 2. We see his context. And as we move to verse 2, um, we, we're, we're going to look upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, I want you to notice what he says. As God hath prospered him. Now, let me talk about giving for a little bit, okay? And and you know, I, the tithe is the starting place. Let me say that. I know preachers preach on tithing, which of course is a tenth. Um, tithing was typically it was given to Israel under the law, okay? And, you know, when we look at Malachi, I'm certainly not against tithing. Tithing is, is a biblical teaching. But in, in its immediate context, it was given under the law in the book of Malachi to, or, or it was mentioned, it was actually given in the law itself. But the verse that's used often in to teach it was in Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Now, we, of course, are Gentiles as part of a church, not taking bullocks and sheep and oxen and a tenth of our harvest and everything. We're not, we're not taking that to a tabernacle or a temple, okay, as the nation of Israel did. We are taking a portion of our income, all right? So the good rule of thumb would be the tithe would be a good starting place. You know, I'm not saying that it, you know, I'm not saying it has to be more than 10%, but I am telling you if under law you give 10, what would you give under grace? Amen. But what, what, the, what the teaching is here is not the 10th or, or more or what have you. The teaching here is that it is based upon God prospering us. How God has prospered us. Now what that means is, is there's not a set amount that every person gives. In other words, it's based on how you've been prospered. So what the millionaire gives is going to be vastly different if they give right and correctly, it's going to be vastly different than what I give. What I give or what you give would be vastly different from someone that was on the poverty line or living in poverty would give. But the important thing to remember is this. Everyone is to give. Everyone is to give. 
And the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, giver. And the Bible teaches giving. And it's like I told you Sunday, the Lord will give you to give what he won't give you to keep. And so it's it's of the utmost importance that we understand the concept of giving and how important that it is, okay, in our Christian life. And typically it's very reflective of our heart and our heart condition and where it lies. So, verse 2, that there be no gatherings when I come. Paul said, I won't have taken offering up when I come, if everyone gives appropriately now. Then verse number 3, and when I come, whomsoever shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Letters. So that's where we get the church letter concept that. Notice it says, your approval by the letters. Excuse me, when... Folks join churches in, in all of church history, really, up until now. It has been, it's a, it's would be a shame to find yourself on two different church roles. And now people leave over the silliest of issues that they're ashamed to even address the church that they had left. Um, but be that as it may, one of the forms of leaving one church and joining up with another is by letter. You can do so by baptism. Baptism is the best, not necessarily the best, but the purest way. You get saved, you get baptized, become a member of the church. Um, but then you've got statement of faith. But when you make that statement of faith, it's still appropriate and correct to let the previous church know, look, I'm not going to be attending your services um, you know, we're contributing to offerings and things like that. Hey, just be, have some guts. And then um, you have the, the letter of commendation. In other words, the letter of recommendation. And, you know, do you recommend the these people to be removed from your role and, and taken upon ours? So that's what we're seeing here. Verse 3, And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters... Then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. He said, I, I may spend the winter with you, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry. A while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Look at that. So that must tell us that Pentecost is a holiday. It's not, in fact, this is Paul talking. So he's not even saved in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost, as we read, came. But now we're seeing Pentecost again. So it was not a one time event, it was a holiday that took place all the time. And God allowed those gifts to occur because every nation would re be represented under heaven. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, verse 8. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul's saying, doors are open unto me for, for the to do the work of God, but I got many adversaries coming against me. Now, verse 10. 
Now Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. I love that. You remember, we hadn't really been much in dealing with all of the um, the, the Timothy um, letters, but if you read especially um, through 1 Timothy, well, both of them actually, um, you'll find that um, Paul is continually encouraging Timothy to be strong in the faith, to um, not just uh, to be strong in the faith, but to um, not have fear, to be strengthened over fear, so on and so forth. To Timothy was of a not the strongest constitution. And so the Bible's saying here that uh, when Timothy comes to you, make sure that he comes and doesn't have anything to worry about. Um, and, and don't, you know, don't be over, don't let him be overcome with fear to treat him decently. Okay. That's, that's what he's saying. For he worketh the word, uh, work of the Lord as I do. So Paul's accommodating Timothy. He's saying he's doing the work of God just like me. He's laboring just like me. Let no man despise him. That's an interesting phrase. Paul says on some occasions to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. And now he's saying to the Corinthians, let no man despise Timothy. But conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me, for I look for him with his brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye, so Paul says, to always watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, that means to, to act like men, to be strong like men, and to be strong. Then he says, let all your things be done with charity. In other words, what you do, do it all with charity. That's love. That's exceeding love, in fact. It's it's a little stronger than love, as I have mentioned to you before. So charity takes on a, a step beyond love. Paul says, let everything be done just like that. Just like the chapter that I taught on charity, Paul is saying, that's that's what I want you to do, everything that you do in. Uh, verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that the, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, let me stop and belabor that point just a little bit. I love that. That's the title of, of the lesson tonight, Addicted to the Ministry. I've said what I've said to get to this place. Now, let's think about the context here. Paul is dealing with Corinth. Corinth was a terribly, terribly carnal church. They are a difficult church to handle. They are a difficult ch church to deal with. They are an emotional people. They are a people that cannot get along. They fuss and they fight and they argue. They choose sides. They're speaking in tongues. They're suing each other. They are committing adultery and fornication. I mean, you talk about a mess. It's a mess. 
And I'm going to tell you, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a teacher, dealing with that, dealing with some of it, dealing with part of it, dealing with one of those things, it can oppress you and it can wear you down and it can discourage you for the ministry. That's why preachers quit. That's why, that's why they give up. That's why they tire out. That's why they burn out. Is dealing with that stuff. Fuss and fight and fuss and fight. Where's you out? Nope. People not being able to get like Where's you out? And Paul here has just dealt with all of this in Corinth. But he said, I'm addicted to the ministry. There are a lot of physical addictions today. Drugs, alcohol, social media, phones, tobacco, caffeine, food. Just addictions that when your physical body does not obtain it, it, it hurts physically, physical withdrawals, headaches, shakes, sweats, all of these things that one's body, emotions, spirit needs. They've become addicted to it. Here's what Paul said. I know you all fuss. I know you all fight. I know you all are misusing tongues. I know you all are at each other's throats. I know you all, some of you have committed adultery and fornication. I know some of you are suing one another. You're, you're like babies, is what Paul said. Like babies. But nonetheless, I'm addicted to to the ministry. I'm not addicted to booze or drugs or tobacco or, you know, alcohol or uh, social. I'm addicted to the ministry. My life has to have ministry. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Because we're an easily addictive people. I mean, I know, I know folks, or I know folks who are addicted to social media like never before. Addicted to Facebook. Addicted to, you know, getting a like or an approval or an agreement. It becomes an addiction with people. Paul said, you know what I'm addicted to? I'm addicted to the ministry of the Word and the work of God. That's an addiction we all need. That's something that we need. We need to be at that place where he is, where he craves to do it. He loves to do it. It's a fuss. It's a fight. It's a battle. It's hard. It's a problem. It's difficult. It's it's tedious. It wears you out. But I am addicted to it. I can't quit it. I don't want to quit it. And by the grace of God... By the grace of God, if I'm here another 25, 30 years, some way, shape, or form, I'll be serving God. That's that's my desire for the grace of by the grace of God.
Then he says here in verse 16, that you submit yourselves unto such, to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. He said, and submit yourselves one to another. That's what we should do. Hold one another accountable, encourage one another, submit ourselves to one another. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. So these men have given, and they've given to a degree that they've made up for the lack in Corinth. Verse 18, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person that I think I preach a message on Anisiphorus from the book of Philippians. Paul said he had, for he had oft refreshed me. We see him using that word again concerning these folks, Fortunatus and Achaeus. Um, and he, he says, they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Be that person that refreshes the spirit of others, that that encourages and brings refreshment. Do you know what refreshment is? Refreshment is a is like the drink of water or the bite of food when you're gnawing and you're thirsty and you need something and that refreshment that comes. Be that person. Be that person. Paul said people, these people are refreshers to his spirit. Paul had people along the way that refreshed him in his spirits. People that were encouraging, not negative people, not people that, that just suck the life and drain the life out of you. That I, I, people, some people are like that. It's never positive. It just and if if it is positive, it seems forced and rehearsed. But someone that that literally refreshes you, breathes life into you with with who and what they are. Be that person. Be that person. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. Now, verse 19 through 23, Paul begins to make his closing greetings. In other words, this is his sincerely Paul. This is his love always Paul. He's closing out the letter, and uh, he's he's beginning to, to wrap it up. And as he does, notice here with me how he closes the letter out. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you in the Lord with the church. Hmm, let's stop and teach this verse for a little bit. That is in their house. See that? Everybody file 1 Corinthians 16, 19 away. Not the church of the Grand Cathedral, not the church with the brick and mortar, not the church with ten offices and and land and uh you know unused space and you know buildings and buying up cities and buying up shopping centers and buying and buying and I mean really I'm I'm teaching you the Bible you won't find that stuff in the scriptures you know where you find this kind of thing at you find this kind of thing 
from Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism had a desire to grow the institution, the organization, and they did so by purchasing large lands, cities, the Vatican. Come on. And you know I watch Christian churches have been doing the same thing for many years. This drive and thrive and hunger and yearn for an organization and an institution and the growth of it. You know what it is? It's kingdoms, little kingdoms. But now I'm reading the Bible, the Bible, the Word of God. And this Corinthian church, look at this. The churches of Asia salute you. Achilla and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. The church in their house. Paul said these people, they're meeting in their homes. Maybe all of them didn't. Maybe some of them were meeting in street corners or or storefronts or somebody's shop or something like that. But I'll tell you what they didn't have. They didn't have one particular select building with the word quote-unquote church across it. And would say, I'm going down to the church. People would look at you like you was crazy if you said that in those days. Going to the church, you're all the church. Look at you like you was crazy. The church were the people, the gathering, the ecclesia, the assembly. And look where they met. In the home of Aquila and Priscilla. That's 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen. It's right. It's right there. There you go. All the brethren greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss. When I first got saved, Dr. Gil Massengill was really my first pastor. And he would do that. He was he was an older gentleman. He he just loved the word of God, taught the word of God, and he he would he would walk right up to you. You know, I was a young man, he'd kiss you right on the forehead during the service. Bible says, salute the brethren with a holy kiss. And, you know, we, we teach that. I mean, I, I taught that two weeks ago in the message. Verse 21, the salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. All right, this is Paul's postscript. He's signing off. Anathema means to cast away. Maranatha means the Lord cometh. So basically he's saying... If any man doesn't love Jesus, he's going to be cast away when the Lord comes. Verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. That closes out 1 Corinthians. Now, as it does, we've learned a lot. We've taught a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. Now, as we go to 2 Corinthians... I'm going to give you a, a brief introduction, and we will get into it chapter 1 on Sunday night. 
But 2 Corinthians is much, much different than 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was a book of rebuke, a book of instruction, of teaching, of, you know, of uh, reproof. 2 Corinthians is a book of, number one, encouragement, but also that of an apologist. Now, Paul's not apologizing, but the term apologist in this form where we get the term apologetics from, it means to defend. And apologetics today is a, a defense of the faith, a defense of the scriptures, a defense of the Bible. We, we do some preaching in that regard. But what Paul's doing in 2 Corinthians is he is, he is going about the, the form of apologetics concerning the ministry that he's in. And because there's some, some doubting his apostleship, and he basically spends a lot of the letter vindicating and validating himself. So therein, we go into 2 Corinthians on Sunday night, and we need encouragement. And it is a book of encouragement, just about the whole letter. So you'll, you'll enjoy it. We'll go verse by verse, just like we always do, and I really feel strongly that you will enjoy 2 Corinthians. I hope you've enjoyed 1 Corinthians. We're closing it out, and I will start 2 Corinthians on Sunday evening. Good night. God bless. I love each one of you. Again, continue to pray for Miss Ronnie as she's come out of surgery and she's recuperating. Uh, just ask that God be with her, and I hope you have a great day afternoon, great evening, and I'll see you on Sunday morning.